0: Today, on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad.
1: He will be summarily executed, and execution in the Roman world could look take all kinds of unpleasant forms, right? You could be crucified, you could be paraded into the Colosseum while people cheered for your blood and watched you be eaten alive. If you were lucky, you got beheaded, right? This is what Paul is facing, and yet he sums up his perspective like this. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I win either way. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress.
0: Because of sin, mankind has inherited death and as a byproduct, the fear of death. Entire industries have sprouted up from this common anxiety. We try so hard to find ways to prevent or at least delay this inevitable part of life. But as Pastor Ricky reminds us in today's message, for believers, death does not represent the end, but the beginning of a glorious eternity with our Savior Jesus Christ. We may not look forward to the process and pain of dying, but just as Paul explains in today's message, it's all worth it for the sake of Christ. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part one of his message, To Live as Christ, to Die as Gain, from the book of Philippians, chapter one.
1: We've been working through Paul's letter to the Philippian church, and today we're going to be covering one of the most famous verses in the book of Philippians. I bet you can finish this phrase when I start it, right? This famous verse, to live is Christ, to die is gain, right? Some of you guys got that right away. It sounds catchy. It, it makes a, it's a good slogan for like a youth group uh, retreat t-shirt or something, or a, a conference theme or a coffee mug that you can kind of put next to you while you read your Bible in the morning. Uh, but often we don't realize how radical this slogan, this mantra of Paul's actually is, Look at how he formulates this this phrase. He's basically summing up life is blank and death is blank, right? This this, this is a way to sum up your entire worldview, the way you see the world. Um, Here are some common ways I think people would fill in the blanks in our world today. Life is accumulating money and possessions and death is the finish line to see who wins, right? Remember those bumper stickers like in the 90s, he who dies with the most toys wins? That's sort of the capitalist mantra. Life is getting stuff and making money, and death is the finish line to see who won. Or life is reputation and love from others, whether that's a social club or number of likes on Facebook or Instagram or the opinions of your family or coworkers, and death is the final verdict of what everybody thought of you. Or life, maybe you just boil down, is having fun. That's really living, is having fun, and death is the end of fun. Or maybe there's some here today that would identify with this. Life is just miserable, and death is the end of the pain. Now, whether or not you're even a Christian, you have a worldview like this. You've filled in the blanks somehow. Life is this and death is this. I'd also venture to say that while Christians would agree with Paul's statement, to live is Christ, to die is gain, on a theological level, like, sure, yeah, that makes sense. On a practical level, we struggle with this. This is what I think the honest answer of many Christians would be to filling in these blanks. Life is enjoying the good stuff, avoiding the suffering, and doing all the Christian stuff you're supposed to do. And death is scary because it's suffering and it's the end of the good stuff that you enjoyed, but at least you avoid more bad stuff because you did all the Christian stuff that you were supposed to do, right? I think that's the honest answer is like, life is Jesus sure, but but also can I enjoy some things? And death, uh, yeah, I know I'm supposed to say it's great and I'm going to heaven, but I don't know if I really am looking forward to that. What does really living mean to you? And what does death mean to you? Today, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's perspective on life and find that it is more radical than we imagine, but it should be more normal for Christians than we would think. I'm like, I'll just be honest with you. This is one of those heavy passages in the book of Philippians that you just feel like, man, a single sermon is not going to be able to give this the kind of weight that it actually holds in in Paul's entire theology and in this letter. But fortunately, we have the Spirit's help. And I'm gonna ask for God's help that he would illuminate this for us, that he would help us see this, that he would help us grasp the weightiness of this way of looking at the world. So let's read together the end of verse 18. 18b, this is God's holy word. Yes, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Well, the main idea is really, really simple. It's this, when Christ is everything or when Christ is all, living is Christ and dying is gain. When Christ is all, When he's everything to you, living is Christ and dying is gain. We're going to ask three questions about this passage today. Uh, We're going to sort of almost work backwards because conceptually, I think that's going to help us engage with this better. First, what is this radical Christian perspective that Paul has, that he's wanting us to have? Second, what does it look like to live this way? And third, how can we actually sustain living this way? So first, what is this radical Christian perspective? Now, remember where this passage falls kind of in the flow of Philippians. Paul first begins by thanking God for the church because of their partnership in the gospel, right? He was excited to be able to write to them, he loves them. They had sent somebody to check on him in prison while he's in prison, and they brought a financial gift to kind of sustain Paul while he's in prison. They were concerned about him because he's obviously, he's in chains. He could die at any moment. And yet the passage Vince preached last week showed us that he says, listen, despite all of that, I rejoice because the gospel is still going forward, even though things are hard. Now, he's going to kind of pick up on his, his themes in the letter, his report back to the Philippians. But this passage is something of like an aside, like a theological aside to the rest of the letter. But it's intentional because Paul wants the church to have his perspective on what's happening to him so that he, they can have God's perspective for what is happening to them. Now, here's what's at stake here. Paul is about to have something life-changing happen to him. When his case appears before Caesar, which could happen at any time, he either will be vindicated and, and delivered and got, get a verdict that frees him and kind of validates his credentials as an apostle, or he will be summarily executed. And execution in the Roman world could take all kinds of unpleasant forms, right? You could be crucified. You could be paraded into the Colosseum while people cheered for your blood and watched you be eaten alive. If you were lucky, you got beheaded, right? This is what Paul is facing. And yet he sums up his perspective like this. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I win either way. Now that phrase, 121 is more poetic, more of a mantra in the original language. To live is Christ, to die is gain. In the original language is, ta zain Christos, ta apothenain kerdos. Right, it's catchy. Paul could have written jingles, right? This is sticky. Literally, it means to live Christ, to die, gain. Right, this is what Paul is saying. So let's work through this together. The first thing we see is that dying is gain if Christ is all. Now, our world is terrified of death. And I know that we're terrified of death because we're terrified of even aging, right? Everywhere there's an offer, get this surgery, buy this car, take this vitamin, and then you will feel like you did at 25 or 20 or whatever, right? We're, we're like so afraid of death. We don't like thinking about death. We don't like talking about it. We're so afraid that any hints that we might die someday, like wrinkles, are like, whoa, 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 whoa. we got to We've got to get rid of this situation. And, and the reason is that in our culture of kind of default secularism, there's, there's not a standard belief in the afterlife. And most people, most expect that there will just be nothing after death, that it's, it's over, it's no more. And even that in itself is scary. And so Paul is saying, no, 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 death isn't, I'm not, I'm not afraid of death, death is gain to me. So, so why would he say that? Well, he hints at it in verse twenty-three. He says, "My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better." See, for Paul, death is not the end; it is the beginning. And to understand why he would make this kind of a statement, we kind of kind of jump out of Philippians and do a quick biblical theology of the afterlife. What's the Bible's view of the afterlife? Well, in the beginning, humanity was meant to live forever, right? We were created. We didn't always exist, but we were created and we were meant to live with and enjoy God forever. That's why in every human heart, we do want to live forever. That's why death is threatening where we're like, no, 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 no. I don't agree with this. I don't like it. Because in our heart of hearts, we were meant to live forever. But live forever with God, under God's just and gracious rule, representing him, to creation, but humanity chose sin, chose rebellion against God, and the consequence was death. And it's this two-sided death that we see as Scripture unfolds. First, we face a physical death, but then after that, we stand before the Lord and face judgment from God. And so, if we're sinful and unjust... We will continue on, surely, friends, but we will not continue on in joy. We will continue on experiencing God's righteous judgment for our lives. But Paul seems to suggest that there is this other option to depart and be with Christ. See, Christ, Jesus, came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved. But not only that, he bore God's just judgment against our Sin, right? On the cross, Jesus did not just die a physical death, but an eternity of righteous judgment was poured out on Jesus so that if we believe in Christ, if we trust Him for our salvation, we would be saved. So that, in essence, when we stand before the Lord at the end of our lives, the Lord will ask us, I s- Have your sins been paid for? And there is only two responses yes by Christ or no they haven't and and you then will bear the just judgment of God now paul though is not look, he's not afraid of death he's looking forward to it because because of Christ because Christ has offered himself for us and our sins because we stand righteous before the Lord because of what Christ has done this is what our eternity will be like according to the bible Hebrews 12 tells us that our spirits will be made perfect and our struggle with sin will be over. Those things that dog us, those things that we can't kick, those habits that seem to have us wrapped up that we struggle against, they'll finally be over. Luke 16 says that the pain of this world will be over. Pain can take all kinds of forms, physical pain, debilitating pain, spiritual or emotional pain, that will be over. Revelation 21 says that every sorrow will be healed and never return. Revelation 6 says that we will find full and lasting rest for our souls. Man, have you ever just felt weary, friends? And not, not, not just tired, but weary. where you feel it in your bones like, I, I hate this heaven will mean rest for us. And John 14, Jesus claims that he himself will prepare a place for us to live with him forever. And Revelation gives us this beautiful picture that we will experience fellowship with all the saints, that we will feast, right? I don't know what's gonna be at the feast, but I'm sure that it's something good, that when the designer of the Grand Canyon goes to work on a meal, I bet it's decent, right? we will experience unknown, unimaginable joys. And see, to Paul, that word depart, he says, it's better for me to depart and be with Christ. That's a nautical term. That's word depart is this idea of, of taking a ship, the ship like leaving its moorings and heading out for another destination. Death is just the boat. So you get on the boat and you go to sleep and you wake up in Glory. It's not the abyss, but Paul, listen, Paul, I'm sure he's looking forward to all of that. He's going to write some of that later, but the thing that he has on the forefront of his mind is it is better for me to depart and what? And be with Christ. See, Paul knows that the man who stopped him on the road to Damascus and saved him will be there his savior, his Lord, the one who walked with him through every trial, the one that he proclaimed in city after city, Jesus himself, God himself will be there. And this is what Paul is looking for. He knows that the longing of every human heart is to return back to fellowship in joyful eternity with God. And he says, that is gain. John Piper says this, you add up all the losses that death death will cost you, your family, your job, your dream retirement, the friends you will leave behind, your favorite bodily pleasures. You will add up all these losses and then you replace them with only death and Christ. And if and when you do that, you joyfully say gain, then Christ is magnified in your dying. Christ is most magnified in your death when you are so satisfied in Christ that losing everything and getting only Christ is gain. Friends, this is, this is so challenging. Do you, do you see dying truly as gain? Man, this is this challenging me this week because I often I realize I don't think of, of dying as gain. It forces you to wrestle with questions like this. If God takes my spouse, is it gain for them? Sometimes, man, I remember one time, I just, Jen, when we were living in Maryland, she, she was going to visit somebody at the hospital. She like fainted and they didn't know what was going on. And so they got me out of class and we drove down to the hospital. And I did not know what we were in for. And I heard some discouraging things and we're waiting to see this ER doctor. And I remember fear just gripping me in a way that I've never felt before. Listen, Paul, Paul feels that. <laughs> I think Paul doesn't feel that. I think maybe he doesn't hear the chants of the Colosseum and yet he looks death in the faith and says, you are a boat that carries me to Jesus and so I consider death nothing more than gain. It is better for me to depart and be with Christ. Stack up all the world has to offer against Christ, I pick him. See, dying is only gain if we believe that Christ is all. If our longings are bound up Christ. Friends, this is what I've been wrestling with. I think if we are fearful of death, unduly fearful of death, perhaps it is because we fear losing something when we gain Christ. That one thing, oh man, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to see that. I've always wanted to be there for that. Well, I love experiencing that. I don't know what's going beyond. Paul doesn't know everything, but he knows Christ is gonna be there. And friends, the more our longings are bound up with Christ, the better that being with Christ sounds. Dying is gain if Christ is all. But second, living is Christ when Christ is all. That perspective shapes everything Paul does. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. See, Paul could sum up the whole point of his life, his whole goal, his whole aim, everything he wanted in one word, Christ. That means he did everything he did for Christ, informed by Christ. And Paul wasn't using hyperbole. He said, great, if I'm still alive, you know what I can do? I can be fruitful and advance the cause of Christ. See, Paul is not just saying this. This isn't just rhetoric to him. This is his life. He gave up his ambition and his career and made his career advancing the cause of Christ. He changed his whole community and was shunned by his former community to take up the cause of Christ. He changed how he spoke As one of the most brilliant men to, to leave the gospel unadorned and simple so that people could grasp it for the cause. Of Christ. Friends, this is probably one of the greatest thinkers in the, in the history of the world. Certainly, in the, in the thousand years that he, thousand years around when he lived, he could have put his mind to any use and yet he spends his days going from town to town, enduring beatings, never having a home, getting ready to die because of Jesus. See, to him to live is Christ. It's like, what do I want out of life? It's Christ, that's what I want. Paul did not hedge his bets. It was not life is Christ plus money or standing or comfort. It was just life is Christ. Christ. He went all in on this. And you see how the the two perspectives work together. He's like, okay, listen, if if I'm going to begin an eternity with the Lord where I get Jesus, my new perspective on life is, what can I do right now to experience more and more of Christ and to magnify him more and more in eternity? But that, it totally changes your value system, doesn't it? What, What matters this week? What matters this month? What matters this year? What are your goals, right? Paul's like, listen, This is it, Christ. I make him look great in my life and the lives of people around me. And that matters in eternity. That's what I'm going all in on. You know, I was reading, I was listening to a radio story because if if you watch the news, there's there's been this period of time, I think it's gone down a bit, but there's been a period of time where Bitcoin just has boomed, right? So if you're one of the people that bought Bitcoin, this like fake digital currency, it's not fake, it's a real digital currency, sorry. I'm like (laughs) letting my opinion of it get inserted, but... It's this digital currency. that's not backed by any government. And essentially, uh, they did a story where somebody years and years ago wanted to like buy something using Bitcoin kind of for the heck of it. And so they, they went on like one of these dark web things and they bought some Bitcoin and they bought something else. And then years later, they heard a story about the value of Bitcoin. And they realized that when they bought the Bitcoin, In today's dollars, they bought the equivalent of like $300,000 worth of Bitcoin, right? Which was like 50, 60 bucks back in the day. And their thought was immediately, did I have any change, right? Like when, when I bought the other thing, like did I have any change? And so they, they do this whole radio story where they're digging through their old laptop and they find like two or three guys that are good at this. And they're trying to trace what happened. Where's the, and they, they can't find their digital Bitcoin wallet. And so they keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And they find at the end of the story, they have like one hundredth of a Bitcoin and it's worth like 20 bucks. And they're like, ah. Oh. And, and you can just hear in their voice, I wish I had spent my life savings. Buying Bitcoin like 20 years ago. Open God, oh my soul. He gets strong, and hes strong to say. Open God, he's a rock and you hide place. He's a mighty
0: fortress. What makes Pastor Ricky call the book of Philippians the happiest book in the Bible? As we've been discovering in this series, it's because of the incredible good news the Apostle Paul has to share with us all. Pastor Ricky has been teaching verse by verse through this short but powerful New Testament letter, emphasizing the joy that can only be found in the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. We hope you've caught some of that joy as you listen today. If you want to listen to today's message again or explore more of the teachings available from Better News Radio, we'd encourage you to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can also find more information about this ministry and subscribe to our podcast. Be sure to check out Pastor Ricky's Better News book, available for free online. This book answers questions about who Jesus is, why we all need to know him, and how this knowledge can completely change our world. Feel free to download or share it with someone who may be asking these questions. We're so blessed to have you as our listener, and we're thrilled that you joined us today. If you ever have any questions for us or would like to share a prayer request with us, please send an email to radio at betternewsradio.com. We'll reply as soon as we can, and we'll start praying even sooner. That email again is radio at betternewsradio.com. Thanks for tuning in to our program today. Join Pastor Ricky Alcantad next time to keep studying the happiest book in the Bible right here on Better News Radio.